Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of December 2019. Hope you're all doing okay out there and getting by through this winter with all the, the prices of fuel and everything going up as it's destined to do or predestined to do, of course, because that is the agenda. Excuse my voice for being a bit raspy because it gets that way in the winter time if I don't put the humidity on. And of course, tonight I didn't, I forgot about it. And that's what happens. It gets so dry in the winter. It's just amazing. I always laugh when I wake up every, every day and see the same kind of repetitive stories over and over and over. Mass propaganda. We've never been under such incredible mind control in every possible area as we have today. Mind you, back in, say, the 70s or even 60s, it was impossible because even with TV, they didn't have enough, enough stations across Europe especially, it's definitely not in Britain, to give you this incessant propaganda and all the major topics that you're supposed to really believe in because we're being managed so well by those who run the world and own the world and so on. And I mentioned before about, for instance, the, the technocrats, and uh, and technocracy inc etc you can still download their their old agenda which is still in operation today in fact but of course the big grandparents of the ones i mentioned before who were put forward as fronts basically uh, and front engineers for much more put this way wealthier people even above them at the time they were supposed to take over the world's energy supplies, all the resources that humans need, and then bring in an ordered, managed society, a tidy, a tidy society, get them off the countryside and so on, and then bring in big corporate farms and efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. And lo and behold, their grandchildren are coming forward today and just be announced to you as the saviors of the planet. And they have the right to have public-private partnerships where you fund their projects and they collect the profits. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? But that's what we're living through, for those who haven't quite clued in on it yet. Uh, when people are presented to you out the blue, you've never heard of them before generally, as multimillionaires or billionaires even, and given all this, all the rights to do the, even take charge of areas of, of the climate, you might say, or even the sky or outer space with its satellites and all that, all these kind of things and, and resources on the planet too and in the planet as well. You've got to stop and say, wait a minute here, is this a new kind of system we're living in uh, where we don't vote for anybody? Well, that's exactly what it is. Remember what they said through the Club of Rome, a big front group for the United Nations, and this whole agenda for bringing in the efficiently controlled society. Very old idea, remember? Before it was called technocracy, it had other names too. And the big ones, the big empire builders from Britain and London, uh, where they're based in London, were all on board with it long ago, because that was always their ambition take over all the resources off the planet, own them all amongst themselves, get the public to pay for the big, big, uh, big things and big, big projects, and, um, and bring in a world where they would dish out meagerly uh, enough energy just to maybe just keep you alive. Do you understand what they're talking about? Everything is energy units. You are an energy unit. That's how they work it out. And eventually, like Bertrand Russell said, who was in on the whole thing too, they would issue credits to you, like tokens. And these would really be energy tokens. You'd buy food, which is energy, with these tokens. 
and you would get so much per month according to your class, which is either the above the top class or the lowest class. That's all no no in between eventually. And you you would just have you couldn't save up your credits. And if you were bad or you've got antisocial behavioural disorders, as say in Britain now, you see. They would stop your credits coming and get you on your knees until you couldn't feed yourself, until you pleaded to be forgiven, and you'd get on board with it. It's all here, folks. It's, it's all here, actually. It really is. And folk will never clue. And even as it's happening, that's always astonished me in all the years I've been talking about uh, the big, big agenda. And people get confused because they, they see parts of the agenda with different names and they think, well, that's the only, only the ones that are... Do-. No, no. It, it, there's many bricks in the pyramid, folks, and they're all specialized in their areas, and that's, they all work together. They are one. That's just it. They are one, you see. Different components of the same one. And we're living through it today. All their talks about austerity. I did the talks from the United Nations, but the coming austerity has got to be implemented. Well, that's a form of poverty. And I might touch on it tonight again. Tuver Mori Strong, another player in the same organization, by the way. Sustainability for the planet, that was a big thing. It's always been a big thing with them, and meaning population control and reduction. And, uh, and of course, if they start taking away your energy units for heating, even for producing food for you, you'll, you'll start dying off, you'll get sick, etc. If you can't heat yourself, you won't last too long, and the population starts going down. And by the way, you've got the big fanatics out at the top, uh, at the United Nations, and Guterres as well, talking about, hinting actually, at going further and further, uh, and the pain it's going to cause. Well, it's going to cause a lot more than just pain, folks. And it'll all seem to happen by itself. You'll have a financial crisis, and it'll be a partial collapse, they'll say. We need a new global system with the right experts or technocrats running it all, you see, on behalf of those who own the planet. You might think that billionaires own all No, no, they're above, way above billionaires. The billionaires are the front men. <laughs> they're put there by the ones above them. And, and they'll, they'll bring in the system, and the folk will adapt to it, thinking, well, what else can they do? It's... It's just like a war, and that's how they see it at the top. It's a war upon all of us, you see. It's always been like that, and folk don't know. You know, generations have gone through this war, and they don't know what's been behind it. They think that things just happen. Oh, there's great depressions. It just happened by itself. Really. And then there are world wars. Oh, they just happen by themselves, too. Really? Hmm. Okay. And, and, and then it's more and more financial crashes. And then you have your free trade agreements that put all your, all your factories. We paid, the taxpayers paid for their factories based in their countries to be put over to China and set up. We paid for all that. And, but anything that really matters, as I say, you're never asked to vote on it. I think the only thing that, that, that they've been asked to vote on was Brexit, and they just laugh at that when you say, yeah, we're, we're going to leave. They just laugh at you. That's quite comical in a sense, but, but the public always seem to think things just happen independently. We're stumbling down through space in this ball of mud, and things just happen by themselves. And then you need experts rushing in to help you get out the mess that happened by itself, you see. You know, there's more millionaires and billionaires getting made today through hedge funds where they bet on, upon bets upon bets of investments. There's, they make nothing physically. 
It's astonishing the chronology we live through. It really is astonishing, to me in a way. And the fables were taught. Absolute fables. I was thinking about the movie Highlander. It was a, a bit of a classic in the late 80s, maybe. And they did Highlander 1 and 2, and then they did a TV series, I think. But in the second one, uh, this immortal fellow, naturally, ends up designing to save the... At that time, you see, the, the hole in the ozone was going to kill us all. That was a, in between the Ice Age, which they gave up on because it wasn't happening at the time, and, and then they, they swapped over to global warming years later. But in between, they came up with the ozone hole. Now, the ozone hole could only be detected by NASA. And they had special planes that would go up in the high, high atmosphere, almost almost in the stratosphere, and they could detect the ozone. And you had to take their word for it, you see, that it was getting bigger. It's only at the poles, you see, that the ozone holes are there. But, of course, what they didn't tell you, that, that now they admit this, it's a natural phenomena because the, literally the way the Earth spins and so on. And you have this a magnetic pole as well. You do have this, this thinning at the north and south poles. But for years and years, they, oh, the, the crisis was, oh, we're all going to get cancer. All going to get cancer from the ozone hole. And the ozone hole is caused by you people. Yeah. And guess what? Back to energy again, your refrigeration units. Do you understand how they could clear whole vast areas of the planet if they took away their air conditioning in some, some places? Think about that, folks. I don't scoff at the idea either. You'll see it coming one day. And uh, if you can't afford it, as they keep upping up the prices for energy units, um, you'll see it happening for sure. But in the Highlander movie, uh, the guy, this immortal fella, eventually designs uh, uh, something which will basically shield the Earth by giving constant cloud protection all over the planet. And um, eventually, he doesn't know he's an old, he becomes an old man, even though he's immortal. They keep going back and forth between these uh, ideas he's got, or with him, with the, with the character. And he, he's not, he becomes an old man, and no one's seen the sun or, or even stars for God knows how long, uh, maybe 80 years or something. Uh, and they find out eventually, uh, through, through, again, uh, Eco-terrorists, I suppose, would be called by them, who wanted to get into the, this big company who caused the, the shielding. They, they raked in all the cash to save you all. That was their, basically almost their motto. They, to save you all, we must shield the planet, and you all have to pay for it. Then hmm? they found out uh, through these little eco-warriors that the shields basically are protecting nothing because the ozone hole is gone. And the ozone layer has been rebuilt, even though it wasn't depleted in the first place. That was another fable to us. But anyway, that was a movie. That was a movie. And everybody laughed and enjoyed the movie. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, get well, and then, of course, in the 90s, 1990s, about 1998 in Ontario, for instance, they started the Daily Spring in the sky. And the first time, they were much, much it was about two-thirds lower, honestly, the first time they tried it. I came out that day and looked up, my God. I thought, is this a sci-fi, or has it been a war started or something? Because the trails were perfect cross-hatched, like knots and, and crosses, all across the sky. Perfect it was. Much lower. Very thick layers. And even, I pointed it out to different people, uh, and they were astonished themselves. But what astonished me even more 
was the fact that they, 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 they didn't pay it too much attention. They would say, oh my God, what is that? But that was as far as they went with it. I'm sure they forgot it the next day. But uh, eventually they got higher and higher with the trails, and they keep doing them, of course. And since the geoengineering studies have been, some of them have been published, as they, if they tried this and tried that, and spraying the skies and so on, and you can find these studies yourself at some of the university uh, uh, libraries. I've got some stuff here from some of them. You find at Yale, too, who published stuff in Harvard, too, on geoengineering, and some of their professors in these big universities have huge shares all built up, ready to go on the chemicals and stuff to spray on us. It's like a make-work project for themselves, where they're guaranteed to, to become billionaires, at least. But they're actually ones who are promoting it all, and um, on behalf of the masters who already own the planet, as far as they're concerned. So you're living through an amazing, amazing system. We truly are. And it is a war, a constant war upon the public's minds. And a lot of it has been so successful that they're beginning to breathe easier at the very top. Since the days of Thomas Malthus, there were too many people. That if they keep feeding, if they get fed, and they get heat to keep warm, they'll breed, you see. And breed. the children will survive if they get fed and get warm as well. So you've got to stop that and reduce the food and reduce the heat and let them die off. Understand this, and but it's never gone away for those at the very, very top, because it isn't just the fact that they believe it's overpopulated with their own people. They really believe it's overpopulated with their own people, which is all of you, because only themselves are really people. I hope you understand that. It's like the madness of King George. Good movie, based on fact actually, <laughs> but um, uh, the king's uh, sitting there with his his, his wife and some ball, and all the different uh, guests were coming in through the doors, and and his wife was saying, oh, that's so-and-so, and uh, who's coming in, and uh, they'd have titles and things like that. And people who didn't have titles, the king would say, oh, is he a somebody? Oh, oh no, dear, he's not a somebody at all. So in other words, you're either somebody or you're nobody. Well, that's never changed. I hope you realize this never changed. Do you see the arrogance of some of these front people they put in front of you who are now manage, helping manage your, your life that you don't even, you've never even met them. You don't vote for them. You never will get to vote for them. But they're bringing in systems that you must adapt to. Hmm? But you do see the arrogance of them. Hmm? Very old agenda, multi-generational agenda. It's really astonishing to me to witness it. And it's quite amazing to witness it because a lot of things you always know because you've, you've read their books and lots of reports from the think tanks that they have and their findings at big meetings and so on. But it's always presented to the public at the time as, as almost like, like, a, like a pie in the sky, um, never, never thing, like a, like a myth or a fairy tale or something like that. But in reality, it's, if you realize you can work intergenerationally, you can set up an organization, say 200 years ago, for instance. Just one organization out of many that all work together and specialize here, but one of them, uh, and make it a foundation, and then you make it a charitable, tax-free foundation that still invests and, and rakes an incredible amounts of money. And then you fund uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and various movements, and so on, and so on, and so on. And you can take over educational systems and all the rest of it with it, what it's supposed to get taught 
uh, you can achieve your goals in that one organization uh, over a period of 100, 150, even 200 years. And in and, and that time, you've hired and retired generations of workers inside the organization, all dedicated and getting paid awfully well to make it all happen. It's, there's nothing that they can't do that way, you understand. That's why they came out with these big foundations. As I said before, Adam Weishaupt mentioned it too, that through philanthropies, through philanthropies, he says we could achieve our, our objectives. And don't forget the whole old Illuminati idea or, or high, uh, really high Freemasonic organizations are completely elitist, not, not the little guys at the bottom in the Blue Lodge. The ones at the top are completely and utterly elitist. And then they go into the noble orders, etc., etc., etc. Nothing's really changed, except they're much closer to their goals now. But the public themselves, through the 20th century, were... At the beginning of the 20th century, in a good part of Europe, or especially in Britain too, after so many wars for the empire, as they called it, and draining the public, uh, you had all these skinny people in Britain, malnourished, and then they went right into Great Depression, like with the rest of the world, and manufactured too. People in America, you can forget, there was another huge depression in the late 1890s, before the Great Depression, with a handful of bankers managing it then. We've seen that scenario done so many times over and over. Uh, it, it gets monotonous. But yeah, two or three bankers get together and decide, and lenders, but the big boys, not your little local branch, and decide to crash the economy, rake in the money like you wouldn't believe it, and end up owning all the bonds that are out there because they get sold off for peanuts. Very old idea. As I say, Britain especially is called the poor man of Europe, and but it broke in the 20th century with the, the, the worst malnourished people and, and, you know, the general working class people were completely malnourished in, in the whole of Europe. And nothing to help them. Terrible situation. But uh, it wasn't good enough. They didn't die fast enough. And they always thought to themselves with the advancement of technology and science, etc., etc., uh, they could eventually have machines do all these things. And that's what H.G. Wells saw because he was let in on the big secret and he became a propagandist for them. And they, they started up their working class group because you must get all sections of society on board. The best way to do it is to, is to lead the problem areas. So you put your leaders in and then you guide the working class round in circles, and maybe off the edge of the cliff eventually. But H.G. Uh, Wells was a founding member of the Fabian Society, remember, along with George Bernard Shaw, who didn't mince his words as what would happen with excess useless population. Nothing's changed. They all worked for the... Don't forget who funded, who, who put out the big funding for the Fabian Society. Don't forget it. The Astor family. The guys who supposedly made their, their huge masses of money off of primarily the, the fur industry in the Americas. A lot of scandals too, and a lot of officials are bought off by them in the States and Canada too when you go into the history. Some of the richest folk funded, supposedly, the movement for the Fabian Society. Where they, again, they would bring a scientifically controlled society. That was the idea behind it, with the right folk managing everybody, you see. And eventually they could do away with the politicians. 
And they were all for communists because communism was getting there faster, you see. With the same idea, communism was supposed to have the right folk, the specialists running their their world. And be more efficient. It's always efficiency, you see. That ended up in a ruinous uh, way altogether. Whereas the the, the Fabian Society, they boasted from the Fabian Society, Bernard Shaw did it too, that they had a direct line to Moscow. To Moscow's desk and back and forth. Trotsky was in, in touch with the London branch all the time. Folk have no idea what, what, what these things even mean today. You understand that? That the same group of people, the same, used different strategies, and some of them were experimental. They called the Soviet Union a second great experiment. The first was the United States of America different techniques, different systems, and study them, how they work for efficiency's sake. The same groups in the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain, but all the top uh, knobs, you might say, the sirs and all the nobility at the top, studied um, the, the Nazi system very carefully. They're all for it initially, too, because once again, it would bring in a, a, a national socialist system of managing it using science and, and so on for efficiency. It's just amazing to see the study of all the different uh, techniques for the same things. And then after all, they make you think you're free again for a little while, and you're democratic. And as they use democracy to smash the systems that exist, you see, they, they smash the systems eventually into absurdity and bring absurd things forward for democracy. Uh, and, and at the same time, they promoted the whole culture industry to push. Again, it was I, I grew up through that whole era too when they, they broke out with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That was that was a big thing too. Lots of scientists of the time came out with uh, they're all for it and said this is great because we we must uh, dissolve the bond uh, or even stop it from occurring between the sexual act and bonding. If you bond, you might just have a family. You see, you might take care of children. Huh? I didn't want that. And they're awfully successful with that. Awfully successful. But the folk went through it with wrecked marriages. I think almost everybody went through it with wrecked marriages. Somewhere, somewhere. And TV was, and movies were just full of all the things you're missing. Complete fantasy, you know. So you'd never be happy with whatever you had. And of course, the, the, the state set in with the abortion industry. We'll take care of any problems from from all of this, and they always downplayed venereal diseases. Because they didn't want you to think about People still think today that there are a couple of shots, or even a few pills might get you over the worst of things. That's not necessarily so today. It wasn't necessarily so then either. But that was too negative. Think on the positive, just perpetual childhood until you drop dead, basically and having lots and lots of sex in the Freudian way, you see. Because Freud said the same thing, that if you're unhappy, it's because you're not having enough sex. And to get you happy, and you have to me drop out of work. Uh, so take these pills, and, and, and once you start having sex, and you start working again, uh, obviously you're, you're fine, you're cured, you see. That's it. That was the answer to everything. Uh, rather than, than just telling the folk the truth, there's a whole war on your whole system to destroy everything in that system, to rebuild it from scratch again. That's what the the purpose was. And let's be honest too, folks, if you're in a system that's so crazy and and mad that people have breakdowns 
running off to work in all kinds of climates and like Canada here, folk would run off to work to factories and cars where they, and highways uh, where all the cars are spinning their wheels like crazy and sliding over the place, but they've got to get there for eight o'clock, you know. Just madness. So if you have a breakdown, that the whole idea is to have sex and take these pills and get back to your work and, and you're fine. Rather than say, this system broke you down in the first place, obviously. But you're not supposed to think about it. The experts are put forward for you to believe. And Bertrand Russell said that. We'll train the public. In the, in the 40s and 50s he said this, as in his books. He's, he said, uh, we'll train the public, and we are training the public to believe in experts. Until the, the, a mother would be unable to change, he called it a nappy, but it's a diaper, on their own child without expert advice. And it's much worse than that now, isn't it? It's been incredibly successful. And of course the TV, which is where a lot of folk reflect, they, they, they become a reflection of television. They copy what they see, they dress how, how they're supposed to dress, whatever is, is in vogue is what, how they, what they wear, or their hairdos, that's always been the way with it too. What's promoted on television and the lifestyle is what they'll copy too. It's astonishing how perfect it is in that respect. And, and folks then start getting the idea that this is how it's supposed to be from television. If it's on TV, it must be the way to be, you see. And if you're not happy, uh, there's something wrong with you. When the people you see on television, all those fictitious programs, those fiction programs, uh, are obviously happy. And the ads are always tremendously happy. You can give orgasms with, with toothpaste and things like that, you know. It's amazing. Ec- ecstasy, just pure ecstasy by what you buy. Astonishing that. Whereas in reality, people are, are living with an existential crisis today. And that's, that's what they know at the top, and they talk about it like that at the top. Because you see, the purpose that, that was always there in society has been taken away from us all. People are not getting to bond. Certain alternatives to bonding are being promoted because they, don't, they, won't, they won't produce children. But, but people are not getting uh, lifelong mates, you see. And uh, one thing that made people, made people mature, especially the guys, I suppose, and maybe the girls too, was having children. It gave them responsibility that forced them, forced them, whether they liked it or not, but it forced them into, into being responsible. There's no system in life that's completely perfect in any respect at all, but you've got to hit the good and the bad. And that's never, that hasn't been taught for a long, long, long time, the good and the bad, you see. But the purposes have been taken away from people for most of what nature provided them for. Basically, nature doesn't care if you can provide for even children, doesn't care at all, does it? But the fact is, uh, people would do their darndest to make sure they could somehow get through. And let's be honest too, uh, the so-called great empires of Europe would never have been built if the peasantry had just decided they were too poor to have children. They had to fill all these uniforms for the armies and so on, and so somehow they always got through, didn't they? But once you're in an existential crisis, you have all sorts of things being promoted and coming out. Why do you think they've dumped all the drugs on the, on society? Like, it's never before, never before, never ever. And just in the last year or so, just seeing the tons and tons, uh, it wasn't just a, a few ounces of this and a few ounces, it's tons and tons of, of cocaine uh, on every big uh, drug, drug bust that they get now across the world, the whole world. 
and loads of, of all kinds of drugs he never heard of before. And stacks from coming from China too. There's no war on anything. There's no war on anything at all to stop anything. If there was, you'd see it. And believe you me, they'd be efficient enough to stop it. They would. Absolutely. So it's intentional, folks. It is absolutely intentional. And you see the fentanyl too, killing off people. And they just, oh my, what can we do? Well, there's lots they could, but they're not going to. This is the time you take down society. You're watching something from a science fiction happening today. It was in in the 1990s they started to put out lots of, even before that in the 80s, but 90s for sure, they put out these kind of futuristic science fiction films on terrible chaotic times in the planet, a future generation where there'd be gangs in the street fighting and and, and killing each other for food and stuff like that, or whoever whoever it happened to be. And they'd be dressed like uh, punk rocker types and stuff like that. Uh, and they kept showing you these, these, these movies and churning them out. And people would say, oh, that'll never happen. They couldn't imagine seeing... Well, you're seeing... You've got tent cities everywhere. These things were... This is predictive programming. <laughs> what you're seeing when you're seeing these things. You're seeing what's already been discussed in top think tanks. And then they've already discussed, how do we bring this about? Well, look around you. You'll see the people dressed the same way you saw in those old movies. You'll see them with the tattoos covering them, and their faces, some of them. The spiked hair and some, and, and the leather armband. All that stuff that they showed you back then is out there, folks. And you think it's all just coincidence, eh? <laughs> it's astonishing to watch this. And it is, in a sense, it's a bit, see, a bit of a privilege in a sense, to live long enough to see a lot of this come in, knowing it was gonna, and, and always trying to figure out how are they going to bring this part in, how are going to bring it in that part, how are they going to make this happen, and you watch it all happening, and as you're doing it all, and watching it all, you could tell people, but they'll never believe you, they, they still think that an expert will come out, because they've been trained, don't believe anybody except an expert, if an expert comes out, because they're the only ones you'll believe who speak with authority, and they come out and say, oh, it's, um, it, it's you causing climate change has caused all this problem, you know. And, and you'll say, really? Uh, it's all the folk that, that have been, that have been uh, you know, using energy and things. We, we've caused the whole problem, eh? Um, we've caused uh, what, what they claim is over, overpopulation, for instance. It's all our fault for that. Uh, and to the very generation who most of them are not having children <laughs> or not getting married to have any, <laughs> they're, they're going to take the blame for it all. Isn't that amazing? How they can convince you of anything, eh? That you're just plain bad. It's all your fault. But the families who keep telling you to start breeding, and I've got books going back into the, into the late 1800s and from Britain and other parts of Europe. Where an elite then were trying to get the people to, to slow down their breeding and, and, and have less children. And in those books, some of them put out by ministers, for instance, you know, Christian ministers, the, the, the statistics of the day where they go through the, the elite families at the top who are telling everybody else down below them to have, not to have children, and the elite families were having seven up to ten children, some of them. You know, quite a lot of them, actually. No problem there. See, the problem's never been... 
about you. them having the problem is you having children, all the wrong people having children. That's what it is. And all the folk who, who went through, the generations who went through, maybe two children at the most, and a lot of them only had one, right, to please their masters and all the propaganda of their time, it's still not good enough, you see. And, and because now you've you got to bring them in from all over the world, they say, because to pay off your national debt. Well, you can't even get jobs to pay off anything. Never bring, bring in people who also have to get jobs. So you're being lied to on a, a momentous level. When things don't make sense, then something stinks, folks. Logic has to be logical. When it's not logical, something's stinking, see? And you've got to go, go by that. It's quite simple. Use your own mind, your own brain. So you're living through an agenda in the organizations that were present at the beginning of the 19th century and in the 20th century all working as one in their own areas, are bringing it all together, you see. Academia is a big part of it, of course, because you must always, as Lenin said, make sure that teachers are paid awfully well, out of all proportion to their worth, actually, but pay them awfully well because they have to indoctrinate the next generation of children. That's why they get paid so much. And look what they turn out. People who can't read, a lot of them. But they know all about communism how good it is. They know all about sustainability and how they should not have children because it's bad to have children. It's bad to eat meat. It's bad to have heating. It's bad, bad, bad to have any industry at all. No, that's total indoctrination camps. Total. And then they come out all worried about their genders and and totally screwed up until they're ready to commit suicide, a lot of them folks. And you're paying for it all to happen with your tax money. And do you get asked about that? No. Do you ask about anything where your tax money goes? No. And yet, how many of you go out there and vote again each time you go and vote? For what for? <laughs> that, that's really, uh, I think if aliens came to this planet and saw that happening, why on earth are they voting? Because they don't have any rights. They don't have any say in where their, their labor goes, which is your, your tax money. Don't forget that taxing your labor huh, was considered slavery up until the 20th century, and then they gradually changed that. And they've changed an awful lot of things now we do that, haven't they? <laughs> They're still doing it too. But anyway, I'm kind of off, the, off the, the topic. The fact is, you have all these specialized areas managing a world, and the world must be united, because all, the ones at the top always wanted to dominate a world system. So you must have a, a common currency across the planet. That will come with the next crash. And you'll, they'll say, oh, we've got to have rationing cards and so on to get us out of this, while we get through this, ter- get over this terrible hurdle across the world. And then they'll start giving you your, 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 um, your electric credits, you see. And the whole system comes in as it was intended to and was discussed in the 1940s. But to most folk, it'll be coincidence, as always. Quite amazing. What always astonished me was to was that the, the communists and the elite as well, the financial elite, always wanted to. They hated the middle classes. They hated them. Still do. And they call them pretentious and copiers and so on off those above them. And uh, that's never changed. So that the agenda was always to eliminate middle class people. Middle class people in 
Britain, for instance, were generally people who owned their homes, even even the humble home, as long as they owned them. But generally, there were also people who were professionals of some kind, or even the lower lower level professionals, but they didn't see themselves as labouring classes. Uh, it's a bit different in America, where often they'll think that they'll call themselves middle class because they, they were earning a lot more money and could live a higher lifestyle. But here in Canada, for instance, there's an article here, Trudeau, this is, this is Justin Trudeau, it says, Trudeau is greenish and Canada's oil-producing prairie provinces see red. And it's uh, Alberta, big oil fields and gas fields out in Alberta, big, big uh, steer country too for cattle and not. It says that they're getting so fed up, and they've been fed up for years actually, even for, since Pierre Trudeau, the, the father of Justin, was in, uh, uh, his prime minister. Uh, they got fed up then too because he was taking so much wealth from the the, 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 the different industries out west. They've never really they keep they've never stopped doing it. They keep sucking them, sucking for tax money and so on. And don't forget too that all resources have to go into the hands of the real technocrats. Don't forget that, folks. So anyway, it's the, the Alberta's even thinking of um, they call it Wexit, we exit, same kind of thing as Britain. Because they're so fed up of getting they're, they're, they're getting hammered for taxes and so on, and all the all the red tape they have to go through just to just to produce things, etc. With all the enviro friendly stuff you've got t- today, which really is just anti business, and that is the purpose of a lot of it too, is to shut you down. But anyway, it says uh, Trudeau's Liberals lost a popular vote to Andrew Scheer, uh, Conservatives. And they were completely shut out of the oil and gas producing provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan. These prairies or areas are just fed up with it all. Disgusting. But it's the same with the dad, with Pierre Trudeau, who was, I mean, the guy was a member of the Comintern, Communist International, in the 1950s. The dad. And folk have never quite got that. They, they, they get mixed up with it. They say, well, that communism is different, communism, surely. Uh, from from being liberal, really, well, well Khrushchev from Soviet Union, the, the premier there, he came over uh, back in the sixties and he said, oh, "We don't call them communists. We don't I mean Moscow doesn't call them, the agents communist in the states in Canada." He says, we, "Here we call them liberals." He says, "For those who don't quite get it, <laughs> but uh, the agenda is the agenda, and they'll use communistic techniques because it's the same parallel agenda." As Carl quickly talked about with the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, the establishment, as it comes out, it says we often get mistaken for communists, what we do, because our goals are so similar, the agenda so, as professionals, experts running an efficient society in a socialistic fashion. So there's, there's, there's the exit and Brexit and Wexit, etc., for out west in Canada. So I'll put these articles up because I'll probably, I see I I'll get enough articles out there. And talking about the elimination of the middle class was imperative, you see. And Pierre Trudeau, when he got in, Canada had pretty well no national debt. And when he left, it was massive. Because you see, uh, the, the, the socialist communists, um, the elitists who basically are, are bringing in this uh, management by professionals and experts, uh, they, they believe, according to Paul Martin, who was a, a Premier of Canada too, he, 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 a Prime Minister, he said that debt is good for a country. He couldn't explain why it was good, but he kept saying it. 
and you you see it in that um, awfully good documentary. It's called Oak Canada. If you ever get your hands on it, it's quite good. Here's Canada now. Here's isn't it amazing? Folk can't really figure it out. Pierre Trudeau, the father, right, end up me a massive hole, and and the the debt hole basically. Here's his son, then, right, for the far left, who boasts about how how almost communistic he is. Everything to do with fairness, you see. So they staff different positions with people who often have no qualifications at all. They just have other other certain things that they need to put that way to get them into power right now. And now they're putting in a minister, a, a politician in charge of a middle-class prosperity. Yeah, you heard me right. They've destroyed, see, the middle class has been destroyed, absolutely. Canada's wages were pretty stagnant from the 80s to the present. And that's when the big boys put a break on it, basically, to keep you stagnant. So anyway, it says, should a government need a minister whose job is to ensure Canadians are prospering? One may reasonably hope that's the goal of pretty much any minister, so they say. The cabinet shuffle in Parliament featured the usual head-scratching reorganisation of portfolios and outright invention of others, bigger for being, for some reason, a stated goal. And the appointed Joyce Murray, it says, for example, becomes a minister of digital government. I think that's appropriate because all they do is give you the finger. It says it has a very pre-Y2K ring to it. But then again, the government in question accepts payment for access to information requests by check and sometimes fulfills them, sometimes, if at all, via CD-ROM. And it can't imagine a simple payroll system. So maybe it's not such a bad thing to have someone on that job specifically. And then there's Member of Parliament Mona Forte's new job. This is the, the one who, who's in charge, been put in charge of, of a new position called Minister of Middle Class Prosperity. Because we're, we're, we're sunk by design. And it's really just a token post because it's, it's meant to go down and down at worse. And there's articles I've got here too about how bad the economy is. We know it's bad. It's not going to get any better. It's got to get worse because, as I say, like, like so many countries now, all the big manufacturing was given to China. Given to China. We paid for it to go to China. To agreements the politicians had done. Don't, don't you understand that your, your governments have never worked for you? They're, they're serving something else. Do you get that? And eventually, with a service economy where you import all this stuff and pass it around through middlemen until it gets to your hands, you, you, as I've said it before, it was, desc- this, it was described in Britain by top economists in the 1970s when they were discussing if it ever truly went all the way into a European amalgamation. The, the, the fact that that time they said it could never happen, if they did, they said, it'd be like a dog in a swimming pool in a service economy paddling and paddling until it ran out of energy and, and drowned. Well, that's what's happening to us now. We had to get to this stage because we produce nothing. Multi-layers of industry go into making knives and forks for, for cutlery. From the raw uh, ore to the ingots, you know, to different factories and, set, and, and in the mixing of different uh, materials with iron, etc. to make them stainless or chrome and whatever happens to be that they use, or nickel, and all the way and to the, 
it, and then it goes to about four or five different uh, areas of industry before it finishes up as, as knives and forks for your for your for your plates, for your table, all gone. And it's the same for everything else we used to make. You, everything you needed was made in your own country not so long ago. To youngsters now who are about twenty or, or twenty-five or maybe thirty, they 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 can't remember that. They think it's always been made in China. I think that's natural. And we're still paying for third world countries to come up and up and up under the free trade agreements, first set out by the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain, who gave you the United Nations, by the way, and who run it at the top, really, and the World Bank, and the, you know all the other bank, world banks that are attached to the IMF, etc., and Bank for International Settlements. all came from one institution based in the city of London. And they set them up eventually in the United States, which still thinks it's independent, <laughs> as it fights wars for other nations. Eh? So anyway, here you have a, a minister in charge of prosperity for the middle classes. Of course, what can they do? What's any politician going to do to make business happen and to make you more prosperous? Don't forget some of these free trade agreements we called free trade and prosperity partnerships. Prosperity, well, Prosperity is true, but not for the people, folks. It's for those who own the big businesses who are often, that are often set up with public-private partnerships paid for by the taxpayer, and, and then they own them at the top, these private companies. It's a new form of slavery, and the folk haven't figured that out. It really is. Why are we paying multi-billionaires to set up their businesses paying for the maintenance of their businesses, whether it's roads or whatever it happens to be, and paying for all the repairs, and they laugh all the way to the bank. And then you have this incredible, which had to happen, and again, the technocrats talked about that. One of the things about technocracy in the 1930s was that everybody had to be put down and listed, and all the details, all the intricate details, but everybody would have to be put out in, on, if nothing, but even, in, even on paper form. All the details of who you are, what you are, everything about you, all information. No one could be independent, and everybody had to be, had to be down as a, a citizen, you see, a productive citizen. Well, that's what the Internet's enabled all to happen, for you haven't figured it out. And that's why it's been mandated. I mentioned last week, too, I'll put up again, how the Homeland Security in the States is going all out now for complete facial biometric recognition, just like China. At the same time, that they're, they're always banging China, but China's putting it in at the same time as, as, as the US and Canada's putting it in. Because again, in technocracy, you consume energy units, you see, meaning you pay for all, and they want to make sure that you are going to pay for everything that you use. Of their resources. It's not yours, no, it's their resources, you see. It's great how they can flip an idea and, and get the public to flip with it and tell you, well, yeah, I guess it's theirs. No, it's not. You try to say that the ones at the top who end up owning it all, it really is theirs. Well, how do they own it all? You just accept that they own it all. They, they, they just took it. <laughs> they just took it by every little bit of paper they signed. We now own this, you know. Really? Really? That's how it's done. You have no idea the system you're in. You really don't. And the connections of, between all these different organizations that end up, as I say, being the pyramid. 
but that was essential for technocracy that you would have to be monitored from birth to death, folks. Everything about you. Instantly retrievable. What do you think George Orwell got his ideas of it, you know? And you, you've got your ministry of, of, of information retrieval, all these kind of different things. Then you have Facebook, and you think that's independent too. No, no, these are front people put up there in front of you to follow and to believe in that they're somehow superior beings. And you do what they say, because they're somehow geniuses. That's what you're taught. And geniuses must be more intellectually correct than you are. Well, how, how, where's the connection to that? Not that they are geniuses, but Facebook is building tech to read your mind, and the ethical implications are staggering, it says. And it's part of a group of stories called Future Perfect. And uh, finding that the best ways to do good, it says, made possible by the Rockefeller Foundation, quite naturally. Eh? So Facebook wants to create a device that can read your mind. Literally, it's funding research on brain-machine interfaces that can pick up thoughts directly from your neurons and translate them into words, the company announced in a blog post last week, it says. Then you have the, 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 the was that organization, too, that the United States government's involved in, that Obama was in. Uh, to map the brain, they said. You think that they don't know where everything about the brain already? What do you think that's all about? And our, and our countries are involved in it too. So I'll put this article up for those who want to to read all through it. It's, it's a, you know, maybe a page. But how the scientists are aiming to grow is lexicon over time. Importantly, Facebook also wants to develop a way of decoding speech that doesn't require surgery. The ideal would be a, a non-invasive wearable headset, though that's harder to build. And of course, they've already talked now recently again. I think, um, I think Musk mentioned the fact about uh, implants into your brain. It's floating the idea, naturally. You know, just floating the idea to get you used to the idea. That's how they want to do, you see. It's a trial balloon. And then brain-computer interfaces fast slide from a sci-fi to reality. Well, don't forget, when you're next to a computer, you're inside that magnetic uh, field, <laughs> electromagnetic field, and uh, there's many frequencies come off of it. And, uh, yeah, who's to say it's not here already? Hmm? And I'm pretty certain it will be, because whatever we're, we're dished out with is often 40, 50 years old. Then there's a, a widely popular conspiracy theory that Facebook listens to your private phone calls, and no matter what the tech giant says, people just aren't convinced it's not true. Facebook and Instagram have repeatedly denied doing as much, despite denials and evidence from experts to the contrary that belief is widely held and seemingly unshakable. Then it goes through different scenarios that people might find uh, familiar that, that's happened to them too, or something similar, such as talking about... Uh, a trip to Buenos Aires, and uh, hours later, idly scrolling through Facebook, and what's that? An ad for vacationing in Lisbon. How could it have known? Etc., etc. Well, of course they're all listening to you. There's so many admissions now, because the public are ready to accept it. That's why they're putting out admissions now. Get you addicted to things. Oh, well, oh, well. Every time it's another, oh, well. That's it. Amazon developing high-tech surveillance tools for an eager consumer. America's police, it says. I think I mentioned that one too. But this article too should give you an example of what, what we're talking about here as well. Amazon partners with police to fight crime. What this means for you. Hmm. Quite something. Then you've got this one here. 
New cabinet must make the best of uncertain economic outlook. This, this is Canada. So as I say, here's, this is getting back to Canada's Minister of Prosperity for Middle Class, right? <laughs> it's like something that's that, a Soviet term getting dished out, the Minister for, for Middle Class Prosperity, you know. But uh, it, it, this is how bad the, the economy is, because we're, we're at the end of a service uh, economy, really, really are. Most of them are up their eyes in debt. If there's any middle class left at all, never mind uh, all the lower classes too. Everybody's up their eyes in debt, and it's getting worse. They all have uh, nice looking new cars and everything, but it's all it's all on uh, on credit, folks. It's all getting paid off by the month. And again, back to the, the United Nations and Mr. Guterres. I mentioned him before in the same article that the United Nations chief says humanity's war against nature must stop. See, this is, this is how they're reversing. Uh, they've got a war against all of you using nature, you see, the saving nature. So it must kill you all off or a lot of you to save nature. This is, this is the kind of stuff they dish out. But they're getting very vocal with it. And he says, we must stop our war against nature, and science tells us we can do it, he says. Guterres, yeah, total, I, I call him a communist, not just an international socialist, or socialist international, complete communist, this, this guy. And Mao is a far off the old Maoist uh, religion, too. Because really, really the whole, it's amazing how they, they can follow the, these communists like that. They, they make them, deify, they deify them. And they were teaching that to Mao, Maoist uh, philosophy, supposedly, in universities, and they became out total communists, pretending it's a, it's a different kind of communism from the old Soviet communism, just like the Trotskyist communism was supposedly more advanced, more modern than the old Leninist uh, communism. Yeah, what a joke. But as, again, Carl Quigley said, in the concerned foreign relations, we have all kinds of people, which is fascists, communists, he said, we have dictators. We don't mind, he says, as long as they're on board with their same agenda. Do you start to get it? <laughs> and every group that you might join, you see, will have a leader. And they supply all the leaders to make sure you all end up following the Pied Pipers to the bitter end and, and, and finding you've just actually gone round in circles and then you're going back to where you started. That's how it's done. Always supply the leaders for the people. They prattle on about how hot it is and hot it is. And you hear about the, the fires in Australia. I'm going to put some articles up. So many, actually, there's one from, I think it was United Nations at one point. But they're saying that in Australia, sometimes about 80% of the fires you'll see on television and so on are started by people. 30 odd percent of them are put down to definite arson. And the rest of that 80% are put down as um, accidental and so on, carelessness. So, and again, don't forget, in the middle of winter, when we're in the middle of winter, they'll be in the middle of their summer. The hottest times of the year, you see. So I'll put some of these articles up. But right now it says Australia's lowest summer daily maximum temperature record was broken this week. So even though they're in the summer, right? A surge of unseasonably cold air swept over southeastern Australia during the opening days of summer. This air mass produced thick snow in parts of Tasmania, Victoria and New South Wales and held daytime temperatures as much as 15 degrees below average in some places. And folk will go and freak out. Oh, this just shows you the way. You know. No, this happens every so often. 
And don't forget that in that lower part of the hemisphere, you also get icebergs in the, the, the southeastern tip going past them as well. That's quite normal as well from the from the South Pole. Parts break off every year. As, as the shelves get bigger and bigger, they break off and, and float as icebergs. That's what happens, for those who don't quite know that. <laughs> but when people see these articles, oh my God, Australia's, you know, if the, the weather's going bizarre. No, it's not. And then you have snow in the Sahara Desert for the first time since 1979. So in other words, it's happened before. It happens every so many years, maybe 30-odd years, sometimes 40. Hmm? But of course, the climate fanatics go, oh, oh look, the, the weather's changing. Oh, my God, it was terrible. Hmm? Because you must believe in it, because everything for the big, big plan, for the big agenda, for the great work of conquering everybody and bringing you all down, it depends on giving up all your rights, being herded into cities on Agenda 21, and depopulation as they withdraw energy and food. It's all Food is energy, remember. And things you really need in the protein supply and all the rest of it. And you'll watch us drop off. And eventually, maybe in 50 years, they'll have a much lower population. But they won't stop there because they don't really need most folk now as laborers. Now through their... They've got all the different technology and robotics to take over. That's what H.G. Wells had too in the movie, Things to Come. You, you saw the descendants of the revolutionaries, the, the proper folk who properly would manage the world, you see, who took it over, and the Freemasonry of the air and the scientific elite, you see. You saw their descendants eventually running a, a paradise, and all the ordinary folk down below them who were just so fed up because there are no challenges left, you see, for the people. You're meant to just be kept like animals, happy animals, you know, playing yourselves, hobbies, things like that. When the leap went off and, and evolved, the higher things went off into space and so on. That Chrissy, they were showing you there. So snow falls in the Sahara Desert for the first time, and, and um, this is just as beautiful as you think. And then you have a task force on climate-related financial disclosures. Quite interesting. Uh, because, you see, all the big people who, who's a name at all in, in any of our daily papers, they're all involved in uh, going on into this great future of, of accumulating incredible wealth of the schmucks who believe that they're at fault and you're all guilty for destroying the planet, as they train you to believe that you are, you see. There's a good article, it's from Global Research. Now, Global Research, there's no doubt about it, they're Marxist and their philosophies, and they have even mentioned in this article someone who also still believes it's, it's a climate change and how we're bad for the planet, but brings up some good stuff. But the general article itself, if you, if you, if you use your, your mental filters and understand what you're dealing with at times, it's got a lot of good information on who's benefiting from all of this. The hidden truth behind the climate debate at COP25 Madrid and the article was first published in September 2019. It's a good one. But um, who'd have thought the very mega corporations and mega billionaires behind the globalization of the world economy over recent decades, whose pursuit of shareholder value and cost reduction, who have wreaked so much damage to our environment, both in the industrial world and in the underdeveloped economies of Africa, Asia, Latin America, are the leading backers of the grassroots decarbonization movement from Sweden to Germany to the USA and beyond. This is not news, for, to some of us anyway. But says, whatever one may believe about the dangers of CO2 and risks of global warming, creating a global catastrophe 
of 1.5 to 2 degrees Celsius average temperatures rise in the next roughly 12 years, it's worth noting who is promoting the current flood of propaganda and climate activism. Green finance, and it's quite a long article. It goes into Al Gore, of course, who and others who decide to use a young Swedish schoolgirl to be the poster child for climate action urgency. Or the USA, they, they use the call of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for the complete reorganization of the economy around a green economy, a new, a new deal, green new deal. The giants of finance began devising schemes for steering hundreds of billions of future funds to investments and often worthless climate companies. And this article goes into, again, uh, royalty, Prince Charles and so on, UK monarch, along with the Bank of England, City of London, finance have promoted green financial investments, they call them greening, led by green bonds to redirect pension plans. Your pension plans go into it, and mutual funds towards green projects. A key player in the linking of world financial institutions with the Green Agenda is outgoing Bank of England head Mark Carney. He used to be the, the uh, head of the Bank of Canada at one time. They move around like musical chairs. So, so, so much for your head in different countries. Eh? In December 2015, the Bank for International Settlements, the BIS, that's a big one, a really big one, Financial Stability Board, uh, chaired then by Carney, created the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure to advise investors, lenders, and insurance about climate-related risks. And that was certainly a bizarre focus for world central bankers. And then in 2016, the TCFD, along with the City of London Corporation and UK government, initiated the Green Finance uh, Initiative, aiming to channel trillions of dollars to green investments. Central bankers of the FSB nominated 31 people to form the TCFD, chaired by billionaire Michael Bloomberg, naturally, of the Financial Wire. Includes key people from J.P. Morgan Chase, from BlackRock, one of the world's biggest asset managers with almost $7 trillion, Barclays Bank, HSBC, the London Hong Kong Bank, repeatedly fined for laundering drug and other black funds. Um, Swiss RE, the world's second largest insurance, reinsurance, China's ICBC's bank, Tata Steel, ENI, oil, Dow Chemical, mining giant BHP, Billington, David Blood of Al Gore's Generation Investment, LLC. In effect, it seems the foxes are writing the rules for the new green hen house. Of course they are, because you see, they're all one big group to start with and belong to the same organizations. And they're bringing in their future that was designed at least a couple of hundred years ago. The ordinary folk never quite get it that the, the elite see themselves as a different race from the rest of you. And they're important and you're not so important. And as the economy goes south, down the tubes, you're less and less importance in a world where they don't need you anymore. And they can bring in lots of people from other countries, if they really need to, to take the, the, the menial kind of jobs until the robots are all taken over, of course. It might take a little while yet, but that's how they'll do it. You're living through an agenda, a very carefully orchestrated one, and getting back to the Club of Rome, don't ever forget it. It was given the task of finding a reason that the public might be conditioned to believe with repetition and so on, uh, uh, that they're the problem and uh, to unite the world. 
they, they thought of all kinds of scenarios that would terrify the public, so the whole world would have to come together. But nothing really flew, even that the UFO invasion idea <laughs> didn't work either. And believe you me, prime ministers talked about this and presidents about UFO invasions. If only the, the world was invaded by something from outer space, we'd all have to come together and all work together for a, a global society and a new way of living. Hmm, yeah. Mackenzie Kane in Canada said it, Reagan said it many times. Quite something, isn't it? That the folk, uh, they don't know. But of course, it, it, even with all the sci-fis, now, not enough people would, would fall for that. So they came up with, uh, oh, the world's dying. Everything's going to die. Or the climate's going berserk. Most folk can't remember, mind you, from last year to this year, what the weather was like. They really can't. So it's easy to terrify them. And children are definitely terrified. They're getting completely indoctrinated into nightmares with it. And they'll grow up uh, really true, truly believing in it all. Why would anybody lie to you? There's all these different documentaries on it with hypnotic voices behind it. Generally women's voices. Canada's awfully good for supplying them, by the way. <laughs> so many documentaries made for indoctrination processes. And they talk in a very measured tone and very hypnotic. You'll never forget that. You'd be terrified for life as a child. So we're, we're definitely going into it big time. And here you are, you know. It's all your fault. And the Club of Rome said that will fit the bill. Humans are there for their problem. Mankind is the problem. And famine and plagues and, and drought and, and, and desertification. These would all fit the bill, you see. That would fit the bill. Man's the enemy. There you go. And they all signed on to it. Every government signed on to it. Everything that happens on a global agenda is signed on by your, the politicians. Never mentioned that to you, did they? All the politicians signed on for total free trade and, your, and through the, the negotiations for China and the GATT treaties. Yeah, knowing full well what was going to happen. Bingo, lots of unemployed people. And then the taxes have to be taken from whatever work is left that they used to get coming in from all the different levels of industry, all gone. So you wonder why there's no middle class left. And they're going down the tubes, up their eyes in debt, pretending and pretending, pretending they're okay. Well, there's a lot more articles, as I say, but uh, what's the point at the moment? As long you know, if anyone breaks through and understands what I'm talking about, it's a big success, folks. This is a triumph for for, for one person at a time, honestly. Because when you see that, that incredible indoctrination that everyone's had, there's screeds of libraries on psychological warfare techniques and they call toolkits for training the children. And toolkits for getting ad ad different ideas across that you must make them believe in that work awfully well. All these neuroscientists, psychologists galore, behaviors, all working to indoctrinate you for what they say is a, a better future. They've decided that if you believe this, it'll be a better future. It doesn't matter that deception is used to get there. You've no idea how much of it is embedded in everything you watch for, for entertainment. All through your whole life long. Little bits and pieces that just stuck into stories, even in children's books, to make sure the the constant indoctrination of the, of your politically correct updates. Just astonishing. Think about it, folks. And remember too that this is a terrible time of year for people like me. 
who depend upon donations or folk buying the books and discs to, and to get me by because I've got a lot of expenditures too. And things just literally just fade off as folks look at all the different things that are dangled in front of you for Christmas. Even though there's a constant sale on the planet, as far as I can see now, with their Black Friday, then Cyber Week, and yada yada, right all the way into <laughs> into Christmas, and then it'll be a, a, a whole month of sales out in January. And unfortunately, folks literally are trying to put off their existential despair. And that's what it is. It's exist- they're trying to supply things that are missing in life and an emotional level with all the goods that are dangled in front of you. But uh, try and remember, you can you can still send out a few bucks my way, hopefully, and keep me ticking over, because it's really serious. It gets really serious this time of year. And believe you me, I don't bring in much money, you know. It's, uh, if I did, uh, I'd be out making stacks of movies and having a lot of front people. And I don't compromise either, by the way. I'm not a front for any politician or for any particular other nation either, for that matter. Uh, and you might be surprised with some people to find out who you are following at times. Uh, they always supply your leaders, and that's some of the first shows I ever did back in the 90s to tell you how it was done, how they supply your leaders for every for whatever shade of group that you, you, you think you belong to. You're like, they've got a leader for, just for you. Anyway, as I say, send some cash my way. Uh, go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com, see how it's done, and uh, there's different ways to get it to me. And for myself, Alan Watchman, here in Canada, where it's snowing because it's winter. That's what the climate does in winter. It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.